Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. If you hate someone within your heart, that's murder. Well, I've never killed anybody. Yeah, well, how do you have hate in your heart towards somebody? Because Jesus sees it as the same. So the Lord is clarifying for them is like, let me, let me dig a little bit deeper in this for you. Because there's a motivator in, within the murder. And it's hate. And it's hate. So we have to address that. Have you ever murdered someone? Well, hopefully your initial answer is no. But Jesus asks you to dig a little bit deeper. Just because you didn't physically harm someone doesn't mean that you're allowed to have hate towards them. Jesus asks you to love each other, and having hate or anger towards others is a sin. You have to learn to forgive others, just as Jesus forgave you. In today's message, Pastor James is going to remind us that it's important to address the root of sin before it starts to spread. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers, chapter 34, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. By faith, have I fully taken a hold of all that Christ has taken a hold of for me, or promised me, or granted for me through his death, burial, and resurrection? This is a good personal application question for each and every one of us. Are there still pockets within me that I haven't ever, that I haven't addressed? So for the children of Israel, there were still pockets within the land of enemies that were going to cause them to compromise. Have you claimed all that you have, that all that's been made available to you in Christ Jesus? Now that takes like a a claiming of that. And I'm not talking about like a name it and claim it kind of a thing. I'm talking about like a surrendering to Jesus as your Lord and Savior fully. Not salvation wise in one sense. Yes, that is a part of it. But I'm talking about like beyond salvation, process of sanctification, where it's like, Lord, Search me. See if there be any way inside of me that ought not to be. Or am I holding on to stuff that I should not be holding on to? Or uh, in, this, in this house, is there a room, is there a closet inside of me that I'm stashing away stuff or I'm hiding stuff that isn't honoring to you? I haven't driven those things out. We have to ask ourselves these questions. Is there any pockets of resistance in my life that would draw me away from Jesus? You got to trust him, embrace him, full surrender, and just, man, Lord, clean house. Just clean house. And, and do it again tomorrow. Because I got this tendency to like open up the back door, so to speak, and be like, yeah, you know, things are good. Like, let's just open the windows. And then the flesh just, whoosh, just comes right on in. You're like, no, I want, that, I want that done away with. It's a daily thing. It's a daily thing. I want my mind to be renewed. Daily, daily. Children of Israel didn't, they didn't grab hold of all that God had, had given or provided for them. They just didn't. And it would cost them. It would cost them down the road. And it's a, just a good lesson for you and I to learn. Just give them access to your life 
Like, search me, know me, Lord, if there be any, like I said, any wicked way inside of me. Like, just reveal it so I can own it, confess it, like, and turn from it. So that, that would be my encouragement from, from chapter 34 is like, man, there's, there's a promise of rest. I think that's my, my uh, cross-reference here, Hebrews chapter 4. I wrote down a cross-reference. I didn't put why, but now it's coming to my brain of like, why? Let me read this verse to you. Hebrews 4.11 says this, so let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail. Let me read the verses prior to that. Talking about the children of Israel going into the promised land, there was a warning for the believers in the New Testament times and for us today concerning this rest that God has promised. So verse 9 of Hebrews 4 says, So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God, for all who entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the whole world. Then the, the admonition, verse 11 is, So let us do our best, you and I, like go into the promised land, lay hold of all that which Christ has made available to you. Like, and, and, and I can tell you this, what I know from Ephesians chapter one, it's a lot of stuff. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, like that's what's made available to you. I don't even know what that means. And that's Ephesians is like one of my favorite books of all time. And I've studied through that chapter many times. I've read the Greek of that. I have no clue what that's talking about other than all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms have been made available to you because you're his kid. So what am I missing out on? In my walk with Jesus, like, that's, I, I think that's going to be one of those things in heaven where he's like, what's that, what's that big pile over there, Jesus? Oh, that's all the blessings and stuff you just missed out on in life. What's that small pile? Those are the ones you realized. Those are the ones you grabbed hold of. I'm like, oh, man, I kind of, wow, I kind of missed out on a lot. And he's like, yeah. You know, you did, but probably most people have as well. There's a lot that's made available to you and I in Christ Jesus that I don't think we fully understand. There's a lot of freedom that's there that I don't think we fully understand because, well, sin's kind of fun at times, right? Sin is pleasurable for a season. The Bible's very honest about it, and it does say just a season. So you got this battle, flesh versus spirit, and Romans talks all about this, and the whole time Jesus is like, I have all this for you. Just knock off that stuff and come lay hold of the things that I've already set aside for you. Enter the promised land. Go into the land, clear out all the enemies, and you'll have peace. You don't clear out all the enemies, you're going to have problems. I think that's a, a really good application for believers living today. Enter into this relationship, this rest with Jesus, and deal with the flesh deal with it. Just own it. Whatever enemy's in there, just deal with it, okay? Don't be like the nation of Israel where they didn't fully deal with it, and they never really truly had peace that God had promised for them. I mean, they were battling from day one, and then they were compromising, and, and all you have to do is just read a couple of chap or a couple of books beyond numbers, and you get into, you well, I mean, Joshua has it all recorded for us, but I'm thinking specifically of Judges, that amazing book in the Old Testament, which is kind of one of my favorite ones, but it's just a cycle of sin. It's compromise, and then it's bondage, and then finally crying out to God, and he sends somebody to rescue them. And then the cycle repeats itself, and cycle, that shouldn't be my Christian walk 
and experience, nor should it be yours. There is a great judge who has shown up and set or made at least made freedom available, and his name is Jesus. I don't need a Samson. I don't need a Gideon. I don't need any of those dudes. I got Jesus. And the freedom that he's made available to us is like lasting freedom. So we can learn a lot from the children of Israel. Let's just lay hold of the promises that he has set out before us, enter into that land, clear out the enemy, enjoy some peace, and just enjoy what Jesus has for you. Be satisfied with that. Now, within the land, you have all these, all the tribes get a spot. We already know because we've gone through Exodus, we've gone through Leviticus, and specifically within Leviticus, but in, in even up through Numbers, we, we already know the Levites get no land, okay? They're not going to get their own plot of land, but they have to live somewhere. And so God is going to designate within each of the tribes that the Levites will have towns of their own. Right, So that's all, chapter 35 talks about this. And then we'll get into cities of refuge. But verse 1 of 35, it says, While Israel was camped beside the Jordan on the plains of Moab, across from Jericho, the Lord said to Moses, Command the people of Israel to give to the, to the Levites from their property certain towns to live in, along with surrounding pasture lands. These towns will be for the Levites to live in, and the surrounding lands will provide pasture for their cattle, flocks, and other livestock. The pasture land assigned to the Levites around these towns will extend 1,500 feet from the town walls in every direction, measure off 3,000 feet outside the, the town walls in every direction, east, south, west, north, with the town at the center. This area will serve as a larger, larger pasture land for the towns. So as Israel is camped up on the side, on the, the eastern side of the Jordan River, God is bringing them into a really just kind of a contractual agreement that when they get into the land, they are going to set aside cities or towns for the Levites to live in, okay? Now, most of your, your people, they, have, they don't even know what their land looks like. So they have to, by faith, they, they really have to agree with God of like, okay, when we get there, we're going to carve out a, a special section for the Levites because they, no, they own no, no property. So we're going to go ahead and do that. And they agreed to that. And the Lord's going to... He's going to make sure that he's taking care of the Levites because they've dedicated their lives to serving him. So God's got them taken care of, but he's going to use the people to take care of the Levites. And that's how it goes, right? Because their one job is really just to serve, serve the people by serving the Lord. So the people should take care of the Levites and provide them with land. And, you know, really, it's not that big of uh, an area of land if you, if you look at it. So the Levites are covered. Now, within that, God's going to set up this really fascinating thing. So verse 6, six of the towns you give the Levites will, will be cities of refuge, where a person who has accidentally killed someone, that's kind of the key, accidentally killed, right? Not murder, it's accidentally killed, all right? Okay? They can flee for safety, okay? So if you somebody accidentally killed somebody else, they need a place where they can run a run for safety. And that, that was essential. That was necessary. And God already knows this. So he says, within, you know, there's going to be six of the towns. You're going to set those up as cities of refuge so that this person who did not intend to take the life of this other person can go without them having the fear of that guy's family coming to kill him. So the Lord is working all this out. 
and he's going to bring clarity to this of who can be in these towns, how long they have to stay there, and who can't go to these towns. Because we all know there's going to be some guys who don't accidentally kill somebody, but they actually intentionally kill them, and they're going to want to go to these sanctuary cities. Not happening. You can't go. So in addition, he says, give them 42 other towns. In all, 48 towns with the surrounding pasture land will be given to the Levites. These towns will come from the property of the people of Israel. The larger tribes will give more towns to the Levites, while the smaller tribes give fewer. That makes sense. Each tribe will give property in proportion to the size of its land. Now let's talk specifically about these cities of refuge. The Lord says to Moses, give the following instruction to the people of Israel. When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, designate cities of refuge to which people can flee if they have killed someone accidentally. These cities will be places of protection from a dead person's relatives who want to avenge the death. Understandably so, right? The slayer must not be put to death before being tried by the community. Okay, so the Lord is creating order, order, social order and justice. Like, look, that guy didn't mean to drop the rock on that other dude's head. Okay, so you can't go and kill that guy. We know that you suffered a loss. That's under that's understandable. But that doesn't mean that you can take this guy's life because it wasn't intentional. So the Lord is creating this system of just order and justice. And, and then there's a whole reason behind all this. We'll, get, we'll see it at the very end. But you have to have these, these other kind of boundaries in place in order to have a good, healthy society where people who do bad things suffer consequences. And then people who they're not intending it for it to be bad, that they are spared of consequences that the bad guy should get, right? Okay, this is a, this is a portion. This next portion of, of Scripture maybe should be sent to some cities in our country that don't understand how justice actually works. I don't know. Yeah. But what? <laughs> you don't have to name the states and cities. Look, it's... It's just, it's crazy. I reference the book of Judges. I think if there was a book of the Bible that described America, be the book of Judges. We could be the book of Judges. Just would be. And that's where we live. It's a mess. What's right is wrong, and what's wrong is right. I mean, that is, that in essence is, is where we live today. And America has never been a perfect country. It just never has been. And it never will be, okay? But man, we have totally turned things upside down, though, I I think. Uh, It's insane, but whatever. Israel had some guidelines that they needed to have spelled out for them so that nobody was like, you know, going all like Wyatt Earp or whoever, you know, just like, yeah, I'm going to take justice into my own hands. And no, we got to protect people from that. So there's got to be order, okay? So here's the order. Verse 13, it says, you know, designate six cities of refuge for yourselves, three on the east side of the Jordan River, three on the west in the land of Canaan. These cities are for the protection of the Israelites, foreigners living among you, and traveling merchants. So this covers everybody, okay? It's not just for the Israelites. It's for everybody. This is just justice that applies to all, okay? It says, anyone who accidentally kills someone may flee there for safety, So these towns of refuge are made available to anybody who 
unintentionally causes harm to somebody else. All right. But, verse 16, if someone strikes and kills another person with a piece of iron, it is murder. It just, it is murder. If you strike somebody, I don't care if it's iron, I don't care if it's a stone, I don't care if it's wood. That's, that's the list that we're about to go through. It's murder. If you intentionally do this, that's called murder. We're not talking about manslaughter, we're talking about murder, okay? So they got to spell this stuff out. It says, it is murder, and the murderer should be executed. Okay, the, I guess the punishment fits the crime. Now this is where it gets a little like, should, we, should there still be capital punishment? Should there not be capital punishment? That'll be your discussion question at the end. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to make any enemies in the room. I have my own feelings about that. And yeah, here's what I do know. A slap on the wrist does not do a good job. It doesn't do a good job. And you know, letting people go after they committed crimes back on the street doesn't seem to work either. I don't know. It's not rocket science. I think, you know, there's proper punishment for crimes that are committed. I don't know. seems like, I wonder what Israel's crime rate was like after these laws were established. I can tell you now, you can go over there now, and there's crime there, but it's not that bad. It's not that high. Anyways, if somebody murders somebody, then they get put to death. They're executed. Verse 7, where somebody with a stone is a murderer, the murderer must be executed. With a stone in his hand, strikes and kills another person, it's murder. The murderer must be put to death. Or if someone strikes and kills another person with a wooden object, it is murder, and the murderer must be put to death. Now, he's going to elaborate on these things a little bit more. That helps to bring some clarity to it as well, okay? But these are intentional things. These are intentional things that he's talking about. You intentionally took the life of somebody else with this object. That's murder. Okay? You knew what you were doing. You killed somebody. So the punishment for you is, well, your life. That's just how it is. You don't like that. Well, don't murder people. It makes sense, right? Like, just don't murder people. We already went through like Leviticus where it talks about if you steal something from somebody, you have to give that back plus like 10%, plus a certain percentage. Oh, you don't like those rules? Don't steal. It's pretty simple, right? If you don't like the consequences, don't do the act. I don't know. Well, you don't understand my upbringing. I don't need to. It says what it says. Okay? It's, it's black and white. Do this, this happens to you. Like, nobody in the nation of Israel could complain about this stuff. If you do this, this is what happens. That's, that's just how it is. And they were to accept this. We don't know of many incidents where this was going on, but certainly things were happening, okay? But the Lord's going to put these parameters in place because he has to, number one, he has to protect the innocent, but then he, he also has to protect those who have unintentionally done something. It's, it's, it's justice, and it, it's what society needs to be healthy, to be safe. Verse 19, the victim's nearest relative is responsible for putting the murderer to death. There you go. There's your justice right there. When they meet, the avenger must put the murderer to death. Verse 20. So if someone hates, here's the key. If someone hates another person and waits in ambush, then pushes him or throws something at him and he dies, it's murder. And this should be bringing to your mind what Jesus defined for the Pharisees, the, the, the ones who know the law so well. He's like, oh, no, no. If you hate someone within your heart, that's murder. Well, I've never killed anybody. Yeah, well, 
How, do you have hate in your heart towards somebody? Because Jesus sees it as the same. So the Lord is clarifying for them. He's like, let me, let me dig a little bit deeper in this for you. Because there's a motivator in, within the murder. And it's hate. And it's hate. So we have to address that. So if you're like, this is premeditated, you're waiting to ambush them, then that person, that's murder. And you should be put to death for that. Or if someone hates another person and hits him with a fist and he dies, it is murder. In such cases, the avenger must put the murderer to death when they meet. But suppose someone pushes another person without having shown, shown previous hostility. You just get in a little fight. You push them down. They fall down and hit their head on a rock and they die, right? So you're like, I didn't mean for that to happen, okay? Or whatever the scenario may be. There's some really interesting scenarios that, that get painted for us here. But it's, it's unintentional. There's no previous hostility. Or throw something that unintentionally hits another person or accidentally drops a huge stone on someone. I don't know how that works or what that scenario is, but um, it's a construction site thing. And, you know, I was carrying this gigantic boulder. I pushed it. I didn't know somebody was down there and they died. It, I, it wasn't intentional. There was no, I, would, I didn't do it because I hated this person. I didn't even know that they were there or that was going to happen. It says, Though they were not enemies and the person dies, verse 24, if this should happen, the community must follow these regulations in making a judgment between the slayer and the avenger, the victim's nearest relative. The community must protect the slayer from the avenger and must escort the slayer back to live in the city of refuge to which, to which he fled. So this accident happens. The guy who did it, he's got to book it to us. Uh, to a, a city of refuge so he doesn't get killed because it wasn't my intention. Well, there has to be some sort of trial that takes place. And the community is going to be the one who comes together to determine whether or not this person is guilty or not guilty, okay? Judged by your peers, okay? So the Lord's setting this all up there. So the slayer that gets escorted back to the city of refuge to which he fled, there he must remain until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the sacred oil. Okay, so this, this scenario happens, somebody dies accidentally due to a mistake you make or something like that. Well, if you go to the city of refuge, you don't get to leave the city of refuge until the high priest dies. So, I mean, there's, and, and I, I don't know, I didn't look into it this much, but from what I could tell, there's nothing in here that says your family gets to go with you. So it may have been an unintentional act, but there's still some sort of consequences behind that. Like, yeah, you got to go to the city of refuge, and you have to stay there until the high priest is no longer the high priest, until he dies. Then you can leave. But I didn't mean to do it. I know. But this is where you live now. This is where you live now, until that guy dies. And, And that's just how the Lord had it set up. If he chooses, and we'll see it here in a second, but if they choose, like, well, I don't want to stay here. I want to go back to the back town where I live. Well, you step outside that, that city of refuge, that family may be waiting for you to kill you. And then they're not guilty because you didn't obey God. So the Lord's just framing all this stuff out for, for the, this whole nation. Hope 
I'm so grateful that I have the ability to tune into life-changing truth from the messages of Pastor James Grizzle right here on Bread for the Broken. It's like water to my soul. I'm in an unusually busy season of my life where if I'm not careful, I'll just shrivel up. At least that's what it feels like. Have you ever been there? Maybe it's God's way of telling me that I need Him. Not activities, Him. Not entertainment, Him. You get the idea. I'm not saying that these things are necessarily bad, but how long will I make God wait? He is patient for sure, but He also has a purpose for my life. If I decide to do things that aren't in line with Him, you can bet that He's going to check me on it. He'll keep me in the desert as long as need be, like He did with the Israelites after they escaped from Egypt. But I can take comfort in the fact that I'm in this space because something needs to happen within me, so I can be more like Him. If this message has resonated with you at all, would you consider donating to this ministry? You can find information on our website, breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, take a look around. Again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We think it's important to magnify the name of Jesus at all ages. So why don't you come out and meet Pastor James Grizzle and everyone else here? Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary, Galveston, located in Galveston, Texas. It's our prayer that you're finding hope and new life in Jesus through the teaching of Scripture. Make plans to join us again, right here on Bread for the Broken.